You can have a seat. This year, our youngest daughter, who's 10, uh, got a free ticket to Six Flags because of a reading program she's involved with here at Vision Way Christian School. And so this week, we said, okay, it's finally time. We're going to take you and let you redeem that ticket. We're going to go to Six Flags. So Thursday, we went to Six Flags. And uh, we got in, she got her ticket, and she was excited. And you know, it was about 11.30 when we got there, and I was a little bit hungry, but she was like ready to go. She wanted to do this thing, so she'd never ridden a roller coaster because we never go to a theme park, and so we did, first thing. And you know, it's been a long time since I rode a roller coaster, <laughs> a really long time. And that roller coaster did things to me that should not have been done, okay? It was not pleasant, but we got through that one, and I'm thinking, okay, I don't feel really good right now, but I need to get some lunch and then we'll move on with life. And she's like, let's just do one more and then we'll eat lunch. And we said, okay. <clears throat> and you know, we got up to the top and I was thinking, I don't feel real good right now. And I could just step across the car, that roller coaster, and just let them ride and move on with life. I had a decision to make, and I can tell you, I made the wrong decision. <laughs> I rode that roller coaster, and when we got off, I thought, man, I don't feel good, but, but if I get some lunch, it'll be okay. I can tell you that it was not okay in any way, all right, in any way, and that's enough that you need to know, okay? I had a decision to make, and I made the wrong decision. And, you know, life is full of decisions. Some of them have, you know, a few minutes of consequences, like for me at Six Flags, okay? Some of them, the consequences are long-lasting and far-reaching. It will make a difference. Like, you know, you can have a conversation with somebody, somebody who's important to you, and they ask you a question. And your answer to that question will change the relationship and it will change the course of your life. There are moments like that. You can think back and probably think of some. I mean, we have a decision to make and that decision will change everything for us. Decisions are important. They really do matter. And so today, I want us to think a little bit about that because for the past two months, we've been talking about the story of Jesus in this series that we've been calling Christianity Explored. And so if you haven't been with us, what we've done is we've looked through the Gospel of Mark. Some of us have read it several times. People have maybe encountered it for the first time. We've had messages on the Gospel of Mark. We've done some teaching on Wednesday nights from the Gospel of Mark. And we've heard the story of Jesus maybe in a refreshing way in a, in a time when we haven't done this before in a very long time. So it's been good for us. And so this last Sunday, we've said, okay, this is Decision Sunday because if you look through that gospel, what you see Mark doing is leading up from verse 1, from the very first chapter, Mark is leading his readers, ancient and modern, to the point of making a decision and answering some vital questions. Questions like, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And what are we going to do with Jesus? So today, since we finished up the gospel last Sunday, I want to take a look at another person who had some decisions to make. Very similar decisions. Because what we see is people being challenged with those questions to make a decision all the way through the New Testament. And so today, we turn over to the, to, uh, the book of Acts and we begin in chapter 25. And what we find there is Near the end of the story of Paul, and we don't know exactly how Paul died, we have some traditions that 
point to the fact that this may be near the end of his life, but, but Paul has been accused of some stuff because he's a follower of Jesus and because he's also a Roman citizen, he could appeal his case to Caesar, to the emperor, which he did. But that led to all kinds of delays as the Roman governors really didn't know exactly what to do with Paul and his case. And finally, he ends up in the custody of the Roman governor, Festus. Now, Festus is a man who's been in the military, a strong person, but he doesn't know the ins and outs of the Jewish religion. He doesn't know all the customs, and so he's a little lost in the accusations against Paul. And so he doesn't know exactly what to say when he sends Paul to Rome to be tried. Now, he feels like he's got an opportunity when King Agrippa enters his throne room. Now, Agrippa's just like a vassal king. Rome has appointed him, propped him up to rule a small part of his grandfather's larger kingdom, his grandfather's Herod the Great, who was king when Jesus was born. And, and so he's got this small part of that kingdom, but he's partly Jewish. And he understands some of the law and the prophets. And he's been an advocate for the Jewish people to Rome. So King Agrippa comes to pay his respects to Festus. And Festus says, you know what? I know someone you need to meet, and his name is Paul. And we have that story in Acts 26, where, where Festus invites Paul to make his case to Agrippa to try to figure out what in the world is going on with Paul. So it all begins in Acts chapter 26, beginning in verse 1. This is what we read. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So make your case. Tell me what's going on. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense, common in the ancient world, and his beginning is pretty common to the ancient world again, to talk about who you're speaking to. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. Paul thinks he has an opportunity here. He knows these Roman governors he's talked to before don't get what's going on. So here's his chance to make his case. But as we go forward, I think we find out that he sees more at stake than just himself. So Paul begins with his story. He goes all the way back to the beginning and says, listen, I grew up following the law. I was taught the law. I knew what to do and what not to do. In fact, I became so knowledgeable in the law that I followed the path to become a Pharisee, an expert, a teacher in the law. I knew this stuff cold. In fact, the people came to me for answers. And when I heard about Jesus and these people who follow him who are called Christians, Man, I was completely opposed to that because I didn't like what he said and I didn't like what his followers were doing. So I became zealous. I went out and I rooted Christianity out. I found the Christians. I brought them in for trial. I arrested them. I wanted them to pay the price for this false teaching, at least as I saw it. In fact, I went to other towns, other countries, and sought out Christians so that they could be prosecuted as well. Paul spent his life opposing Christianity. And then he says to Agrippa, everything changed on the road to Damascus. Now, you may know that story. Paul's on his way to Damascus there to persecute Christians. And the Spirit of the, the, God himself speaks to Paul. And he asks Paul, why are you persecuting me? It's Jesus. And that moment, 
changes everything for Paul. He's given his mission to share the message of Jesus with everyone around him. And in this story here in front of Agrippa, he says, I began right there. I went into Damascus, and as I learned, I began to share. This was the beginning of everything else for me. And so from Damascus forward, I have shared the message of Jesus with everyone that I could talk to. I have told them that Jesus is the hope of the world, that he was raised from the dead. And that he's the hope not only for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. And Paul summarizes all of that as we come down to verse 22. Paul says this, But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here in front of you and testify, be, uh, testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen. That the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead, would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Now listen to what Paul's doing. He's talking to Agrippa, who has some background in Jewish customs and law and all of that, and he says, listen, this was, this was supposed to happen, this was prophesied to happen. For centuries, God had been planning this and bringing this to pass. And I'm telling you, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of that. Jesus was told that he would be persecuted by the Gentiles and that he would die and that he would be raised from the dead. And this is the fulfillment of everything that came before it. And because Jesus could do all that, he could offer forgiveness and eternal life to the Jews and the Gentiles and bring them all together. That's the message. Now, Festus is still sitting there. He's heard all of this. And he says, Paul, I think you've had too much school. It's driving you insane. Now, some of you may be thinking, that's the way school affected me. I'm glad it's over, right? But that's not what you're talking about. They're saying, listen, you, you've learned too much. It's just made you crazy. And Paul says, no. No, it's not made me crazy. What it's taught me is the truth. He rejects that, and Paul says this in verse 25. I'm not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. Listen, if you'll just listen to this, it makes sense. I know you don't understand all the customs and the rules and regulations, but then he turns. The king, who? The king is Agrippa. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. Listen, this was done publicly. The law, the prophets, the people knew them. They've been taught this stuff. I taught this stuff. And Jesus did this not as a secret, but out in front of everyone, healing people and teaching thousands and being crucified in front of a crowd and then being raised from the dead. Listen, Agrippa, you know what the prophets say. You know all this was coming. And Jesus is the fulfillment. And then he asks a question. He asks a question that he already knows the answer to, and it's aimed not at Festus, but straight in the eye of Agrippa. Verse 27, King Agrippa, do you believe in the prophets? I know that you do. Now maybe we wonder why, why Paul didn't say, King Agrippa, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? That's the classic confession of faith in Jesus Christ. Paul didn't ask that. 
Paul didn't know the answer to that yet. He didn't know what Agrippa would say. But he did know that Agrippa believed in the prophets. Agrippa was not going to deny that Isaiah and Jeremiah and all the other prophets were spokesmen for God. He was going to affirm that. And Paul has pointed and shown that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything they've said. So he knows the answer and he knows if Agrippa says, yes, I believe in the prophets, then he's got to grapple with Jesus. He's got to decide who Jesus really is. But Agrippa doesn't want to do that. Verse 28, Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Do you think just standing here for a few minutes you're going to teach me and you're going to make me believe that Jesus really is the fulfillment of all this, that he's God's son, that he's the Messiah, that he's been killed, and that he was raised from the dead? Agrippa's not going to answer the question. The question is, do you believe in the prophets? Agrippa doesn't talk about that. Because he knows if he says yes, he's going to have to deal with Jesus. I love Paul's answer to Agrippa there. Verse 29, Paul replied, Short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today, in other words, there's a crowd there, it's Festus, it's everyone, Everyone listening to me today may become what I am, a Christian, except for these chains, because of his arrest. Now, what's Paul saying there? He's saying, listen, what I want for you is for you to have an encounter with Jesus so that's so life-changing that you are willing to accept him as God's son and the Messiah, and you're willing to live for him. You see, Paul has pointed to decision time. You've got to make a decision. Do you believe in the prophets? There's your decision. And what I want for you is for you to believe in Jesus. Now, Paul knew that this was a unique moment in history. He didn't know if he'd ever have the opportunity to speak to Festus or Agrippa or anybody else in the room. This is a special group of people. He knows this is his one chance. And it seems to me that this is much less about Paul defending himself and somehow being released from prison and much more about sharing the gospel with a group of people who may never hear it again. A unique opportunity. And so, Paul shares the message. And it comes to a decision time. And really, that's what we need to see. We come down to a point and we have to make a decision. The message for us is, you have to choose. And we say, well, Agrippa didn't choose. Yeah, he did. He chose not to follow Jesus. He didn't answer the question, but he didn't follow Jesus. And for all of us, there comes a moment when we just have to choose. We can't put the decision off forever. Marx put it out there. He said from the very beginning of the gospel that he wrote this, the gospel, about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Son of God. And he spent the rest of the gospel convincing us that Jesus was just that, God's Messiah, the King, his Son. And then we have to decide, what am I doing with that? Now, we're all in different places. No one of us is in exactly the same place with God. Some people in the room may have been struggling with these decisions and grappling with the question of, man, do I really believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do I believe that or not? And if I do, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to follow Jesus or am I just going to pretend this is not here? Maybe that's where you are. 
Or maybe you've come to the point you know who Jesus is and you really want to follow Him and you recognize that if He really is God's Son, then there's only one choice, to follow Him and make Him Lord of your life and, and spend your life pursuing Him. But you haven't done it yet. Other people in the room have recognized, man, I believe who Jesus is, but my life's a wreck. What do I do now? Or I've done all that stuff and I'm ready to commit to Him in baptism or to become a member of this church. You see, the plan is put there in Scripture. It begins with faith. It begins with grappling with this question, who is Jesus? And if we come to the point that we recognize that Jesus is the Son of God, then we have this decision to make Him. I'm going to follow Him. And if we do, then we look in our lives and go, man, I've made some mistakes, every single one of us. We all can look back and see we've messed it up. And when Scripture says it's time to repent, what it means is we recognize I've gone the wrong direction. I've got to figure this out and go the right direction. It won't be perfect, but I'm going to follow Jesus, not myself. And we confess Him as Lord. I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. As simple as that. And we follow Him in baptism. We're immersed into Christ. That's what baptism is in the New Testament. It's always dipping in water. It's immersion. And it's done in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. It's where we come in contact with grace. It's where we, we, we die and we're raised again. It's where we're washed of our sins. All those things are bound together in baptism as an act of obedience. Maybe today you recognize that's where you are. We've called this day Decision Sunday. Now, every Sunday at Taylorville Christian Church is a decision day. Okay? In fact, every day can be a decision day. But we've called this Decision Day because we've come down through this journey through the Gospel of Mark. And Mark is calling us to make a decision. So, maybe today you have a decision to make. And if you do, we want to know about it. Let's stand together and pray. God, we're thankful for the opportunity to decide to follow Jesus. We're thankful that Jesus was willing to do so much for us. And then we learn from people like Paul that there are decisions to make. God, I pray for anyone in the room who's grappling with a decision today or maybe has decided something and help each one to be brave enough to express all that. And God, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song now and give you an opportunity to respond. And maybe you know it is time to come forward and, and let me know where you stand. I know we've got a couple of baptisms we're going to get to at the end of our service and we had some new members in our first service. So, if you've made a decision today, maybe to be a member, if you're a baptized believer, or if you're ready to be baptized, we'd love to talk with you about that. Come forward as we sing our invitation. Let's stand together.